Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is why your truck needs wings with my friend, Dan Burroughs. How's it going, Dan? It's great. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited about this topic. So, Dan, before we get started, please introduce yourself and your company and where you guys are located. Yeah. So my name is Daniel Burroughs, and I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Truck Labs. And what we're doing is we're partnering with some of the biggest fleets in the industry and small small trucking fleets as well, owner operators, to help them understand their fuel bill and reduce it, putting more money in their pockets. I mean, I think with rising diesel prices and increased pressure on sustainability goals, this is a really important area. And what we want to do is help our customers make a little bit more money, end the week with a, with a bit more to take home. I think that's super important. My background is physics and then this... this All right. Yeah. And then I went into founding this as, as graduate work at a Stanford University. Very nice, very nice. Before we get into the topic today, why why my truck needs a, needs wings? Let's let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And what kind of kid were you? And by the way, I, I noticed that little hint of a British accent. Being a fifty-something guy, I grew up wanting one of those. I wanted to be James Bond. I just lacked the Britishness and the. Uh, good looks. <laughs> well, I have I have maybe an eighth of half of that, so that's good. <laughs> I'll let you pick which one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a stronger British accent when I met my wife, and I think that was really important. Luckily, I, I locked that it down helps. before I lost it, lost it completely. <laughs> but I am a, I'm a, I've spent about half my life in both countries. I was born in Baltimore. My dad was doing a posting from the European Space Agencies working on the Hubble Space Telescope back in the 80s and and so I grew up in Baltimore, which which I loved. And then when I was about 10, I went back to the UK, completed my schooling and my university in the UK. And then when I went back to started work, I actually started working for a bunch of startups out of Seattle and then worked in Boston and worked in Minneapolis. And I've, I, I, you know, I've really split my life half and half between the two countries. And I, there's elements of both countries that I love and elements of both countries that drive me nuts. And I think that's pretty typical. <laughs> yeah. So are your parents, did your parents move back? Or are they still in Europe? Uh, my, my dad's up in Seattle. So he's, he's there and my mom's in, in the UK. They, oh, they split up when, nice. I was, when I was 10. So you got, you got an excuse to travel. So that's good. Well, yeah, used to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you grew up in both countries. So obviously your dad being a scientist, you were pretty good at science and math. It sounds like because you got a physics degree. So tell us a little bit. You got your undergrad over in Europe. Where'd you go? I went to Imperial College in, in Europe and I, I did physics basically because my dad did maths and I was like, I'm, I'm just going to need to do, you know, what, what he did and, you know, I idolized him and want to do that. And then, and he did a PhD and I was like, okay, well, I'll do a PhD then. And I had this sort of realization that, Actually, that's not me. I wanted to go and work in the private sector with business. I thought that's how we could enact greater change today. And that's how you know I wanted to do my bit for climate. So when I was studying physics, I was on a path to go and do a PhD and go into research like, like my father. And I had this realization that, yes, I, re- I want to use the power of problem solving and science and but I want to work in the private sector and help people and connect people and build products and that felt to me more, you know, and also I found that 
I was mediocre at physics. I mean, I was, I was good enough to get a, to get a first or whatever a degree in physics. But you know, there are there are people who just who just speak it as a different language. I just I just had Dave Glick on my podcast. He's over at Flex, and he lives on Mercer Island, so he's not too far from you. And he's he said the same thing as, "Oh, I I'm a PhD in physics, but I realized I wasn't good at physics." And I was like, "This is the problem with education sometimes." Yes, you're exceptionally good at physics. You've got a master's degree in, or you got an undergrad degree in physics, and a master's actually. I did a master's yeah, as well, and a master's degree. And yeah. it, and it's just the problem is you're you're comparing yourself to the point zero 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 one percent of physics people. Well, and it's true. Maybe- I mean, as you get more deep into anything, right, you uh, you compare yourself to better and better people, and you start to know what you don't know. Right. You, right. you start right. to ha- have have some un- comprehension of of the And that's one of the fun things about learning. And I've always right. I'm a lifetime learner. So I still read physics books. I still love that. I, I follow some of the journals. But I know I, I thought my contribution would be around leading people around building a company and building a product to help customers. And I, I wanted right. I wanted that kind of market forces of, of of doing that. And that was important to me. So tell us a little bit about your career. So you got that physics degree and you said you bopped around a bit. So what, what were you doing? What kind of work? So I, I went to, I wanted, physics in the UK is super interesting. It's, it's, you only study physics, right? So I did an undergraduate master's in physics. I did no other subjects. I did no English. I'd written no essays. In England, you have such a specialization in one area. So I thought I need to round myself out. So I went into management consulting and worked for a company called Oliver Wyman and oh, used nice. my sort of data science skills because I was building solar cells and running climate models is, is my, was my research was running climate, climate models. And so I worked for retailers around like, how can you measure the impact of a promotion that you run or how should you price this or how should you order this to reduce out of stocks or reduce what we call shrink, which is like stuff that right. goes off. So all supply chain optimization stuff, I imagine you're listeners know a lot about that stuff. And so we worked for some of the biggest retailers, household names. And I, I really found it a way of taking my, taking my physics and sort of add in understanding of a balance sheets and understanding of sales and understanding right. of operations and how you actually build stuff. And that was really good fun. And then I was like, oh, you know, this technology thing's fascinating. So I went and joined a venture firm. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a large, uh, it's actually a fund of fund that invests in venture firms. So my job was to vet the venture capitalists to see where they could vet entrepreneurs. So it was like this meta, meta job, which is like so far from reality, but it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was too, once again, it was too far from company building. So I left there. I went to the Bay area because I heard there was a lot of tech happening in Bay area and I wanted to take a part of that. And me and my wife applied to go and do an MBA at Stanford university. And the idea was one of us might get in one of us will probably work and pay for it because these things aren't cheap, but we both got in, which we were very grateful for and felt lucky for. And we went together and we had a great experience in the Bay Area at Stanford doing that. And then I I wanted to take the physics, the business from management consulting, the venture background and my MBA and have an impact on a big industry, help the industry become more profitable, but also step change and transform their, their emissions. And that's where Track Labs came out of an idea. And I patented a, our first product back in, you know, back then. And then it's been a been a wild ride since. So when did you found Truck Labs? 2015. I, I took my student loan and hired some engineers in my first year. I was a classic, like we actually literally had a garage and we were building stuff for trucks. Uh, so I, was, I put all my classes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and Tuesday, Thursday was full-time <laughs> Truck Labs. So, so what was your first product? 
So our first product solves the problem of rising diesel prices and and how do you how do you make a bit more money as a as a if you own a fleet or you run a truck and it's and I came across the stat that really just has always stuck with me which is that two thirds of your fuel is spent overcoming aerodynamic drag when you're at highway speeds so as a truck you think oh it's heavy that's what's causing the fuel drag no what's really driving your fuel economy is your aerodynamics. And then I looked at a truck and I'm like, that's not very aerodynamic. It's a brick. You know? like, <laughs> it's a brick. It's, it's getting better, but it's still a, a little bit of a brick. And so I, I then was looking at it and like, how can we improve it? And there were like, there was this boat tails off the back of the trailers and OEMs were spending a lot of time making the nose cones better. Right. And there were these skirting things. But I found this area of the tractor trailer gap. And this is a area between the cab and the trailer that's required for you to turn when you're going slowly. So when you're doing a 90 degree turn or maneuvering in a yard, you need that area. Like your, your truck swings through that area. So that's the the gap between the tractor and the trailer. So if I didn't yes. have, if that was solid, if it was, it, it wouldn't work because the, the way the turn works. Right. You, you would, you, you would take, you know, sort of half a mile to take a, a 90 right. left turn and people wouldn't. Never <laughs> thought would, of it. That wouldn't be fun. Yeah. So the way that the U.S. trucks are designed, they've got the tractor and the trailer, and they've got the fifth wheel, which pivots further back. And so you need that area to turn through. Otherwise, you end up hitting it. So they, and this is the way the trucks and trailers have been since the 50s, right? This, and you've, and it's been a very hard area to innovate because you need to work with old trailers. Right. Because trailers last forever. Right. So this has been a very static area of the truck, this tractor trailer gap. So when we talk about this topic today, and I love the title. I love <laughs> there was, but the the title is why your truck needs wings. And first off, let's talk about a little more about the problem. So one of the problems you mentioned is these things are bricks, and they they drink a lot of gas when they're driving. And one of the reasons they're drinking so much gas is because of it's not aerodynamic and it's heavy, right? So we have emissions, we have fuel costs, and everybody dislikes both those things, right? So how do we get rid of the emissions? How do we reduce our fuel costs? That's the problem you wanted to solve. And what you looked at is, I got this brick, this fast-moving, heavy brick that's going down the expressway, and you saw the gap as the problem because it's something that we could never put something solid there because if we put something solid, and I mean, it wouldn't work. So what you came up with is truck wings. So tell yeah. us a little bit about truck wings, how that works. Yeah, so truck wings basically says my, our truck can look different at highway speeds versus slowly. So when you go above 50 miles an hour, the truck wings know that and they deploy these robotic panels. They fold them out like origami sort of into that. And we cover both the sides and the top crate. We go within about two inches of the trailer. I mean, these things get super close to the trailer. So it basically becomes a flat surface and the wind doesn't then get in and doesn't get sucked into this sort of black hole of turbulence behind your, your cab. And so what we do is aerodynamics don't matter when you're going slowly. It matters when you're going fast. And so we deploy it out when it matters. And trucks spend 95% of their time at highway speeds. So we're deployed a lot. And we put trackers in our devices so we know when they're open and when they're shut and the fleet knows. And they know how much money they can save. And so what it does is you drive your truck as usual. No change. When when your truck gets above 50 miles an hour, we know you can't turn at that speed. So we fold out the wings, create a more bullet train or, or brick right. plus, if you want to call it a brick, it's a, it's a better brick. It's a better, it's a better looking truck. I mean, not that that it's particular a better matters, truck. but it looks sleek. It looks great. Yeah, it it automatically happens. Uh, yeah. It has a, 
So, Ooh, so these are these are envisioned. If you, you guys, by the way, I'll put a link to truck wings in the show notes, so you can look at the video. I've done that, and so it looks like these almost these doors opening up, and there those doors are on the back of the tr- of the tractor, and they open up, and then there's also a roof to those doors, and then it's basically all that drag that was there before is gone. That's right. Well, not all of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it. And it really helps. And you know what? So the first question we get from anybody who's been around a truck is, well, it will probably break, right? It moves, it breaks. And so we spend a lot of time and tens of millions of dollars on research and development and testing. We've done over 300 million miles now across the US and Canada. And durability is really, really important. And one thing I would say is, is that we're in actually a pretty good area of the truck. Like if you think about where some other parts of the truck are. They're close to the curb or back off the trailer. We're right. sort of where your APU is or, or right in the, in the back middle of a truck. And you ask a, a truck driver, how often do you damage the upper middle of the back of your cab? And we often hear like, oh, I don't really damage that area. We damage stuff that's close to the, you know, things that can hit. And so that's where the truck wings are when you're slow, when you're, when you're going slowly. It's high off the ground. It's folded away. It's in a safe location. And. Because it's all about total cost of ownership, right? It's all about total cost of ownership. So give us a sense for how much truck emissions matter. In what, when we look at the, the emissions that go into the environment, what percent comes from trucking? It's about 6 to 8% is, is long-haul trucking. And it's $100 billion that we spend as a country. And it's, you know, it's, 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 our dependence on foreign oil. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of pieces that come together. And, and, and when I say these stats, I think it's really important to say we'll use the stuff that trucking brings, right? 80% of the stuff around us right. came here via truck. So right. somehow this industry, the industry is like, well, yeah, but we're not the ones creating the demand. We're trying to get you the things right. that you're ordering. And it's not, and, and so the approach in the past has been, you know, to be blame the, the trucking industry for these emissions. Right. Whereas actually the trucking industry is employing three to four million people and they are working and becoming the most efficient they can. And I think that's where it's about partnering with the industry to get it better and uh, not blaming them for what we're, you know, we're, we're ordering the stuff. Right. I have Amazon packages turning up quite a bit. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a funny, I, that's one of the things that I feel strongly about is that we all need to kind of, we've always measured the bottom line, right? Profit and loss. More and more, and more companies are saying, we're also going to me- measure our, our environmental impact. We want to at least be better than our competition and ideally better every year. And then I think we also want to measure at some point our our impact on our employees, our customers, the shareholders. And the reason I say this, I don't say this for money. Great. We need to because it's the right thing to do. I'll say it because that's what people are buying. That's how consumers buy. More and more people buy Patagonia because they say, oh, they have their social mission. And and by the way, I, as they become political, I think they're turning people off. But if they just say, look, we're all about the environment, I think that people buy it for them. What, what are those shoes? Uh, I forget what the shoes. I don't wear them. Not Tom's, the other ones. Birds? The, uh... Yeah, yeah, all birds. People buy all, all birds, birds yeah. because of the environmental commitment, or th- their commitment to reducing environmental impact. So we have consumers who are buying, and this is an increasingly wealthy country. People will will buy for these reasons. And by the way, 30, 40 years ago, it didn't matter. There was no internet. So there was you could bolt on a clean image on with branding. Not anymore. You can't hide if you're in a dirty business. And, and nor should we try. We are all, to your point, we take advantage of all that cool stuff that's coming by truck 
don't rue those guys who are doing it. You yeah. wanted it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You bought it. Yeah. And I, I, and I also, I feel compassion. Like it's a low margin industry. It's not like you can take, right. not like truckers have a ton of money to throw at optional stuff to, to help out. And so that's where we've spent a lot of time driving our costs down so that you can get paid back in 18 months or so. And in fact, if you buy it with your new truck, with truck wings, we'll finance it into your truck and you can, you can be ahead from day one. Nice. And so that, that's really important. And, and it's kind of our, our, our like solar city moment for residential solar where yes, it pays back over time. But if you can make that, so the cash that first month that you're ahead, like your fuel bill was less by, right. by a significantly more than what you have to pay. For you know, additionally for the trucking. I think that's where you can do well and you can do good alongside. Right. And that's at the heart of what we're doing. And I think that's where sustainable change comes down, not yeah. top-down mandates, not like command and control, but actually bottoms up innovation right. in industry and, and people, you know, becoming more efficient because they, they, they're paying the fuel bill. They don't want to pay a bigger fuel bill than they need to. Right. So when you mentioned uh, it's the fuel bill's less, how much less is it? What is the impact? How, what's your impact on the fuel economy? Uh, so it depends on your truck. It's bigger gaps, more savings. So biggest savings are, you know, we see, it also matters on the wind. If you've got crosswinds, then we see eight to 10% savings for those things. On average, every customer that comes to us will we'll put together a personalized plan based on your truck and your operations. So, you know, but on average, it's about four to 6% that we save. Wow. That's nice. Across, across, across the industry. So, you know, that's a significant amount of total U.S. carbon emissions that the truck wings can save. But, uh, but we're very, we track every, every bit of that. You get a dashboard where you show your savings. We're very data driven. We really care about showing you right. where the savings came from. Cause I think there's a lot of promises in trucking for savings and, and, you know, you've got to separate the, you know, the, the, right. the things that are work from that. Right. So you mentioned it, pay, it does have a payback period and you guys are data driven, which I appreciate because again, there is uh, the promise and four to 6% is fantastic. I mean, that's, if you, if somebody promises you that, that's a slam dunk. But if it, if it trickles down to, well, maybe one or 2%, I can imagine people going, nah, I got enough hassle. Right? <laughs> I don't need yeah. a, a extra hassle. And I love that you said that this is already on the road. Yeah. 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 We have, uh, we've been working with, uh, with UPS since 2018. While well, we were in Rider Sustainability Report this year, we've done 300 million miles now uh, across our unit. How many trucks is it on? We're in thousands of trucks and we're, we're doing, we'll do many thousands more next year. So this is no, this is no guinea pig thing then. So this is, this is not a prototype. No, this thing is, this is working and, uh, <laughs> you'll see us out on the road. Your viewers look out for us. We, if you look at the tractor trailer gap and you see something moving and you see something closing that up and you see that, that like nice, smooth, and we color them to the truck. They look really nice. That's a truck wing. That's, uh, and you, you're going to see a lot more of them uh, over the next few years. That's fantastic. So now if I wanted to get these truck wings, what do you mail them to me? Uh, or not mail them to me, ship them to me. And then uh, I put them on myself or do you guys put them on? How's this work? So we, 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 we work with whatever, however makes sense to you. So we, we have options of field installations where our team comes out and installs them. We've, we, you can install them yourself with our with our guides, or we offer them at what's called the mod center. So when you buy a new truck, you can have it installed pre-delivery, and have and that way you can when you buy it from the dealership, say hey, you know I'd like to figure out what it would cost to add the truck wings. You can have that financed into your truck, and you can have it. You can be ahead from day one, and the wings will just arrive from the factory. That would be pre, fantastic. Pre-installed. It'd be nice if this yeah, if much you... easier because it's hard to catch these trucks. They're in motion. You don't want to down a truck. Much easier to do it at the beginning. And so we're working with all the mod centers to try and turn that all on. 
So do you sell to any OEM trucking companies yet? We sell through the mod centers right now. And there are, there are conversations, but nothing no nothing active with the OEMs right now. Very nice. Very nice. So what is what is one of these truck wings? What is what's the approximate price on this? Or is are there multiple models? Is it or is give me a sense of it? Yeah, it's it depends a little bit on exactly your cab and the and the, and the gap, but the, just for order of magnitude, say it's like you know four thousand dollars or so for the wings. So we're not breaking the bank by any stretch. <laughs> no, no, and and that's really important. Like you need to, we save maybe once again on average, and if anybody's interested, we we have a savings calculator on our website. We can put in your numbers, but on average, we save maybe twenty five hundred dollars per truck per year. So it pays for itself relatively quickly, and we think it makes sense for a lot of people. Right. And, you know, and you mentioned the payback and that's super important, obviously. But I think also, as I mentioned, consumers are asking for or buying from brands that value the environment as much as they do. So it's just a matter of time before those brands are going to want to start talking about how their logistics partners are also and their transportation partners are also valuing the environment. So there's a payback and and I hate to use this uh, this way, but a marketing you know, there's marketing here. You say, look, when somebody asks you, we're looking for companies that are green, you say, well, by the way, we have truck wings. So there's some value in that. It's, it's hard. You can't calculate it, but there's value in being sustainable partner. I, I think there is. And, but for me, that's always the icing. You've got to have right. the cake. Right, right, you know, right. You've right. got to have the, <laughs> you know, at the end of the week, did I, did I take home more money? You know, did I pay for it? Because things get damaged and you need to do repair. So it needs to also, it's about that total cost of ownership. And then let's also like talk about the emissions, but it's got to be a both. Can't right. be a, and that's where, that's, that's where our early adopters are, are seeing it as, Hey, I'm, I'm making money on this and I'm doing good. And I can talk about doing good while improving my bottom line. And it, I think we win when we deliver both in a, right. in, a, in, a, in, a in a trackable way. Right. So I know the government's got to be interested in something like this. Do you, are you connected with the EPA or any of the uh, federal government? Are they are they interested in something uh, helping make this more affordable? Yeah, I mean, so they're so it's super exciting actually. So there's been a lot of talk about electric trucks. Electrics right. aren't yet ready for over the road applications. The range is not there for you to go interstate today on electric trucks. So 95% of trucks stay are diesel, five or so percent of natural gas, and it's going to be that way for a while. Aerodynamics is super interesting because... And the final mile might go electric. We all think that... The final mile is going electric very fast because right. you can charge infrastructure is easier and you're going a lot of start and stop and you can right. go, you know, it's, it's very different. But over the road, right. tough, right? It's really tough. Because Line diesel haul is super... will be truck truck fuel <laughs> diesel for a long time to come. It will be. Or, or, or compressed or natural gas. gas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and yet, you know, this administration and in general, people have been talking a lot about electric. Now, the interesting thing about aerodynamics, like the truck wings, is we don't care. We make electric right. trucks go further and we save money for diesel. So we work with both. So there's a new act called the STEER Act, which was introduced to Congress by Rodney Davis, Republican Rodney Davis, and co-spined now by a Democratic co-sponsor in Gothheimer. And what it is saying is, let's accept the reality that we're going to have diesel and fossil fuel built burning trucks for a little while. Let's provide a voucher for them to defray some costs of making their trucks more efficient. Things like the truck wings, this basket of technologies that helps emissions today. It can make a difference today. It can also pave our way towards an electric future when that technology is ready. So it's not the government picking winners or losers. It's right. it's about helping the industry become more efficient and also, you know, increasing the range of electric at the same time. And so the STEER Act uh, was introduced a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're, we're enthusiastic supporters of it. 
And um, and we hope that in a divided time, this is can be something that we can all get around. Like, let's use American innovation to solve an American problem and put a bit of money back in the pockets of the three or four million truck drivers out there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I like the also the I mean, again, that you're going to save money on fuel starting day one, right? And then we're going to have less environmental impact. And again, I know it's just the icing on the cake, but I think it's also very attractive to, to say, let's just say a broker or 3PL is that, hey, this percentage of the trucks that we use are have truck wings or we'll, we'll call it better yet, have less emissions. Yeah. And however we should get there. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm a big believer in key performance indicators, and I always say we measure cost, we measure miles, we measure damage on time performance, different things. And I've always said this, add one thing for KPI for environmental impact. You measure carbon or empty miles. This is something I could measure easily. If I said, hey, we work with 1,800 trucking companies, better yet, last month, this is how many, this is the percentage of trucks that went on trucks that had, you know, lower emissions. That's a, yeah. that, that's a selling point. And again, this is, uh, this is one of the reasons it works. I mean, I know we don't, we call it the icing, but if it works, it's because there's a business value to it. <laughs> it, it exactly. And, you know, it really matters to me. I mean, I studied, I think whatever you think about uh, emissions and where we are going, we're certainly taking a big gamble and we don't know the result and we only got one earth. So let's, let's think about that. And I think you've seen that in the rise of extreme weather events and, and, and things and people are feeling it more and more. One of the biggest, one of the big, biggest caucuses now in the Republican party is the conservative climate caucus. Right. And that's newly formed. And I think, I think it will become a bipartisan issue. And when it's right. bipartisan, the, the way to solve it is, is through, you know, American innovation and private market forces and private enterprise. And that, that's right. where we, we, we're trying to find pragmatic middle of the right. road solutions. Yeah. And, and I say this all the time on my podcast. It kind of doesn't matter. We speak, somebody says, well, you know, the climate has always changed. So I, I don't know if it's man made or not. I always say, if you're a business person, it doesn't matter if you think it is real or not real or man-made or not man-made. It matters that the market is making adjustments. Yes. So I, so it's, it's as if you, if I was to say, you know, I don't think my customers really want customer service. They say they do, but they don't. No, you would never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they say they want customer service, you give them customer service. If they say, Joe, wear a clown hat. Absolutely, I'll wear a clown hat for the right money. <laughs> I've done worse. <laughs> for right, exactly. I'd exactly. wear a clown hat. No, no problem. <laughs> so the market is asking. And by the way, I just interviewed the CEO from DHL, the largest 3PL in the world. And they are spending 8 billion euros between now and 2030 on sustainable solutions. They're going to have, I think, a lot of their last final miles. Can you pass miles. me his uh, business card or something? I think they could do with some truck wings. <laughs> right, I could just take right. a small percentage of the $8 billion and uh, I would do a great job for him. I would wear any clown hat he wants. and you know, Count me in. Give me, a, give me one of those hats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll come with you. But they're spending $8 billion euros. What's that? It's at least $10 billion, right? Yeah. So the leader of the industry says absolutely positively we're spending there so you know not, not every company has that much money to spend but they're spending for a reason they see also i think they're seeing there is a, a positive business impact in a lot of this is like yours yeah well for publicly traded companies there's increased shareholder pressure as well it's customers plus shareholders now and so that's if you are public or you're considering going public you know your sustainability report is something that people look at and while you can't go electric yet for over the road, truck wings and other things can be what you can put in your sustainability report this year. For example, like Ryder did this year. Yes. 
Excellent, excellent. So that for all these reasons, these are the reasons your truck needs wings. They need yes. truck wings from Dan. So who are you working with right now? Who's your sweet spot? And then how do we reach out and talk to you? Yeah. So, and I would just quickly say, we've got the second product, which is all about the driver. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Please and, talk and about that first. the driver. Yeah. It's called uh, Trip Dynamics. And it's, if you've ever used a Strava or Peloton in your, in fitness, it's a similar thing for truck drivers. How well am I doing? How well should I be doing? We understand the weather, the, the, the load, the terrain, the truck you're driving. So we can, for the first time, give you a fair benchmark about how well you're, you should be doing as a driver and give you tips about how well other people are doing who are running the same route. And so it's, it's really a, it's bringing measurability and, and competitiveness and gamification into truck driving. And it has a similar impact. Uh, so if you're an owner operator interested in that, or if you're a fleet, you know, reach out to us. That's called Trip Dynamics. So is that, is that an app on the, uh, on like an iPad app or on the phone app or what is that? It is. It's an app, but you, you need to, you need to buy a piece of hardware tracker as well. So the, we need, we need the information from the truck. So contact us, we can set you up and we are, we're super excited by that because I think there's a lot the driver can control. It's not just, you know, not pushing the, the accelerator too hard. You know, cruise control has helped out a lot with that. It's, it's when do you leave to avoid traffic? It's speed as a strategy. Should you be going 72 miles an hour down the hill and lift your governors higher and then have a slower speed up the hill? And so not just one speed at all times. There's all these things that, that the truck drivers can do, as well as like just maintaining their trucks well, um, that makes a big difference to the overall fuel economy. Does it, does it measure stuff like it? Would it tell me, hey, you're you're going too, you're speeding too much? A hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. We tell them about we we let you know about speeding, and we just look. We the thing we don't want to be in this is Big Brother. We don't want to be another right. thing telling you, no, no, no. You did, you know you're nagging, nagging. You right. did this wrong. We are we are a a friend, a coach. We are your 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 co-pilot. And we like say, Hey, you know more than we do about your truck and what you're doing, but other people running similar equipment on this route did these things. And these are the results they achieved. Here's some information. Right. You can act on it how you, how you will. We had one right. driver who had, he was, he'd been driving for 30 years and he's like, I drive a manual better than any automatic. And it used to be true. And then he was running these routes and he was seeing that, that he was, he was being other younger drivers were beating him. So he tried the the new cruise control and he hadn't tried for, for 10 years, basically. Right. And he improved his fuel economy. And he's like, you know what? I, you know, this helped me see. And I wasn't told it. I came to my own conclusions on this. Right. And that's right. really what we want. We want to like, we don't want to say, do, 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 we, do, do this. It, it's like, yeah. hey, here's another source of information. You know, do with it what you what you think is most appropriate. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Dan and some other uh, physics majors uh, from Silicon Valley, they they have some ideas for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that that would not go down well. I don't know. Uh, having talked to a lot of people running fleets and a lot of people driving trucks, I think that's the last thing they want to hear. I, it's yeah, a, but it's, but uh, you know, we we all need to make this job more attractive. We need to make this job easier. If we could say we've got drivers who are healthier, happier, and wealthier, that's what we all want to say. So if you can help them be more successful, safer, again, we all want everybody to be safe on that road. And uh, is this something that that these guys are making more money over time or being safer because they're using it? Yeah. So if you're an owner operator paying for your own fuel, all those fuel savings drop straight to your into your pocket, right? If you're a fleet driver, you know, there's a couple of fleets that are looking at, say, Triplinamics helps you save $10. Maybe they would share, you know, some of that back to the driver. 
And so the driver can make a little bit more money. And, you know, it's all about, you know, confidence in that measurement and confidence in the savings. And if so, you know, there, there's definitely some things there. It's early. I would, I would make sure, you know, it's, it's early. We're learning. And if people have got other ideas about how to do that, we'd love to talk to you about it. And please, you know, please reach out. But our, our goal is if you can measure it and you can provide people information and you can help them make a little bit more money, it's highly engaging. And if you can engage right. with drivers, that makes a big difference. And just aligning the driver's interest with the fleet's interest is a really hard problem. I mean, they're three states away and, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. So we think of ourselves almost as like an autonomous ma- management platform. Like, you know, so you, you, it's not another report for a fleet owner to look at. It's, it's something you release and let kind of self-learn and cross-learn and it's social. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, top down again. Right. I love it. I love it. So that's called Trip Dynamics? Trip Dynamics. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. We'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And both of these are products from Truck Labs, right? Correct. Yeah. Truck Labs uh, is the, is the parent company. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll put a link to both of the, for the truck wings and we'll put a link to Trip Dynamics and I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out directly to you. Perfect. I welcome it. I welcome anybody who's interested in sustainability and, and, and trucking and innovation making trucking more money. and, um, and, and <laughs> making, making a bit more money because this industry is making a lot of money right now, but it's, it's, it's up and down. I think now when you're making a little bit more money is the time to invest in the future when there's a, when there's a downturn. If you can get more efficient trucks today and the next downturn, you'll be a better, in a better position. So while there's a little bit, like, while load rates are through the roof and everything else, you can put a little bit of investment into uh, making your back. infrastructure better. <laughs> yeah. Invest while the wind's at your back, uh, for, for when things turn. Not that they will ever turn again. You, you've never seen it turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Dan, this is fantastic. I think these these are great ideas. I love the idea of, again, making more money, helping the environment at the same time. You know, it's funny that we, we have a number of win-win places in this business. Empty miles. Yeah, empty miles. Huge. Having more data has helped us with empty miles. But even when we get to that optimal, and you know, we'll, that we'll never get to, where you say this is the, the bare minimum empty miles that the industry has to drive, your product goes beyond that. Because it has nothing to do with that. So it's we're going to need more and more and more. Because again, this diesel fuel or compressed natural gas, whatever, we're going to use natural resources to move those. These aren't going to be electric anytime soon. So we need to do something with the emissions. I I, I couldn't agree more. And the way to do it is to is to, is to partner and build a build a total cost of ownership that makes sense for the trucking fleet. Yeah. Not not some kind of top down uh, thing. And and the, each truck wing trucks drive so much. Each truck wing saves the emissions of two passenger cars. So you buy a truck wing, two cars and emissions are gone. Right. I mean, it's huge. It's huge for a couple thousand dollars. So yeah. anyway, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's great to, great to spend some time with you and, and look forward to talking to any readers, uh, viewers, listeners, listeners yes. <laughs> yes. That, that would like to talk more about it. That, that is a weird thing though, because every once in a while I post stuff on, on LinkedIn and people read the show notes and then they'll, then they'll share it and say, this is a great article. And I was like, it's a podcast. <laughs> it's a video. You can watch this on YouTube. Why are you reading it? But then I realized some of them are at work. So maybe that's why they do it. But anyway, we'll get those links to all of Dan's products. And, uh, this is fantastic. I really love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work and come back and report on what you're doing and, and next year. We'll come back when we've done a billion miles. It'll be sooner than All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. 
You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.